Hello, and welcome to the Controller Talk podcast presented by Danfoss North America. Our goal is to bring you information about using Danfoss controls in the supermarket and warehouse industry, specifically in the U.S. and Canada. We're doing these twice a month for now. You can catch these podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, and it's also available through the Danfoss Ref Tools app. For the video version, check us out on the Danfoss North America YouTube page. Search for Controller Talk to see our video collection. I'm Dave Yoder, along with Chris Brown. Well, Chris, I think uh, Maryland's headed to a bowl game. <laughs> We're still talking about football at this point. I've already switched over mentally. I don't yeah. even know which one. You can't skip the Duke's Mayo Bowl for for. Uh, is that who it is? You can't. Yeah, you can't skip the Duke's Mayo Bowl where uh, Maryland's headed. Uh, it's got Duke in the name, though. So, I mean, yeah, and playing NC State. Uh, so. uh, well, put your problems aside. Oh, well. Better than not going at all, I guess. That's right. What about you guys? Where the, are you headed? Uh, the Rose Bowl. It's it's the same as the Mayo Bowl. We've got more letters in our bowl, so. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, as you know, Dan Foss makes a number of controllers that concentrate on superheat control of evaporators. Yep. Uh, many of these have been talked about this year, and um, for and many of these are are for case controls in supermarkets and warehouses, but some are dedicated for precision superheat control in applications where you might need some flexibility. And the idea is to control in superheat, but you are controlling a stepper valve on the liquid side of the coil. Or if uh, you need a controller to send a zero to 10 volt signal to another control device like a PLC, programmable logic controller, or a ball valve or something like that. So for many years, Danfoss used the EKC-316, the 316A, the EKD-316, and similar controllers as a dedicated superheat controller. And these have all been replaced with the EKE series of controllers, and these have been out there for a couple of years now. Yep. And they are doing, just to reiterate that part, it's for stepper valves. So, I mean, you get into pulse valves and AKBs and all that, that would not fall into this category. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, you're looking at either controlling a stepper valve or using the basically the the algorithm to control something else with that 0 to 10 volt signal. And now this EKE becomes a valve driver. Mm-hmm. And um, from what I found, uh, models are the EKE 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. Um, and we'll go into the details of each one of those, but uh, the EKE 1D is... Um, a bit of a unicorn because it exists and there's minor differences um, with that one. But for the most part, we're just going to stick to the EKE 1A, B, and C. Yeah, I looked at it a little bit last night. It, it actually had some less features than the C, more some that maybe it didn't. So it was like a hybrid between the B and the C, but not one we, we see much of. It's usually the other three. Yeah, that's for sure. Yep. So the big picture here is that uh, we're doing superheat control with a bunch of options to kind of fine tune things. Um, like, for instance, when it starts up, you can tell it to limit the output of the or, or the opening degree of the valve or a whole line of other features in there. But um, when it comes down to it, you have two main options. Like you said, you can use this little controller to do superheat control or you can use it as a valve driver. And um, if that's the case, you just run through the wizard and ask you the right questions and you're pretty much ready to go pretty short order. Yep. 
And so talk about the differences between the A, the B, and the C a little bit. Uh, so start with the the one A. So it's kind of like our economy model. Um, so the, uh, some of the bells and whistles, you're not going to find it here. It doesn't have Modbus on it. Uh, it doesn't have a wired CAM bus communication option. Yeah. Uh, no milliamp option when you're using it as a, a valve driver. Um, only the, the 0 to 10 volt side. And then there's no options for the PT-1000s. And so you're talking NTC sensors that you've got to use with the 1A. And I have seen some instances in the past with these where um, NTCs aren't going to be as accurate as the PT-1000s. So if you're looking for for something that's very accurate on the temp sensor side, and, and we're dealing with superheat, so more often than not, that's probably going to be the case. But you, you maybe want to lean a little bit more towards the 1C, where the we'll talk about that in a second, but that's where the PT-1000 becomes an option. Yeah. Okay. Um, 1B, uh, similar to the 1A, but now you get to add in the Modbus side. So if you need something that's tying back into some higher level controller, whether it's our own system manager or possibly something outside of that, then the 1B would be one of the options where Modbus gets uh, introduced there. <clears throat> and then the the 1C is kind of the, the everything in one unit um, option where... You get the 0 to 20 or the 4 to 20 milliamp signals that can be used for the valve driver uh, signal. Um, we do now, like I said, have the PT-1000 sensor that can be used for that sensor type as an option in the setup. You've got your CAN bus option in there now. Um, so it's really the most common one. And then when we're replacing those EKC models that you were um, mentioned there to start, uh, the 1C is kind of the default option we, we go to just because we know it's going to offer anything that those did as well. Yep, yep. So the 1C is maybe the Cadillac of the, the lineup. As opposed to the Fiat that the 1A is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's see if we can hear from Italy on that one. <laughs> Fix it again, Tony. <laughs> so um, let's talk about displays on these EKEs. So there is none included. And um, that's generally for a purpose because a lot of times if you want a display, you want to make it remote anyway. You can put it on the outside of a cabinet or something like that. But most of the time there's no one looking at it. So you really don't need to necessarily pay for a display, but you're probably going to need one for setup. Right. So yeah, there is none included with these. And the uh, easiest option is to get what we call the MMI GRS2 display. It's a, it's a good size display and you can get a lot of information on it. And um, it's the most common display. And then you can connect it with just a six inductor phone cable. Um, if you crimp the cable the same way on both ends, you're you're ready to go there. And um, and occasionally there are times when you're doing this display setup that you might plug it in, and uh, it doesn't work. But we'll talk about what to do with that. And um, with the MMI GRS2, it when you first plug it in, it has to read a file from the controller, and it takes a few seconds at first, and it'll tell you what's going on but it'll um, read that file from the controller and then it's ready to go. And then if you have to unplug it, plug it back in, it's already got the file and it'll come up much quicker. Yeah. If it doesn't connect, then um, that I think that frustrates some people because they're not sure where our problem is. And then you just um, go into the BIOS setup of the display by holding down the X button and the enter button for about five seconds and then it'll get you into another menu. And when you're in that menu, there's uh, several options, but from what I found, the things to remember are you want to set it for a remote application, 
uh, set it for the, the CAN communication option for CAN bus and set it for auto detect. Yeah, I think it's seen if the baud rate doesn't line up with both of them, that that can cause that not to, to display the information there. Yep. Um, and then I, I wanted to mention also, uh, I think we've talked about Cool Prague in the past, maybe with the CC55, if memory serves. Yep. Um, but this is also a, a series, the ABC, that are compatible with Cool Prague yep. on a PC. So, I mean, if you're in a spot where that lends itself or, or makes sense to use Cool Prague, the, the PC based software there to, maybe set up all your settings so that you can just dump them right in or say back it up because you're going to be using it multiple times. And just something else to keep in mind there is uh, CoolProg is, is a tool that's compatible with these EKEs as well. All right. Do you need the um, the Mikey for that? Yes, that would still go through the Mikey just yeah. like the CC55s would. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But same. Um, you could do firmware upgrades of these as well, I believe. Yep. So that's, uh, again, just something to keep in the back of your head there. Um, to, uh, the, the controllers have a, a battery backup option, just getting into some of the other features there. Uh, so, I mean, if you've got your main power wired to it and, and that is lost, then the battery backup can be used to close the valve down um, so we don't have any floodback concerns. Uh, something that does set this these controllers apart, these EKEs versus the prior models, is um, when Danfoss came out with a series of expansion valves called the Colibri, uh, which are really nice valves. One of the, the differences in those new Colibri valves was they had a really high current draw to them. Compared to the old valves. Yeah, more yeah. so than what the uh, EKC-316s and those could handle. So the old valves, I think, were in the 100 milliamp ballpark, and these Colibris are north of three, 400, maybe up to 600, yeah. um, I want to say. But uh, the EKEs are designed to be able to handle the current requirements of the Colibri valves. So, uh, yeah, if you're going Colibri, you're going to have to use these if you're looking for a superheat controller, even outside of Danfoss. I, I haven't seen a lot from other manufacturers that can handle that requirement. Uh, so superheat, I mean, these applications sometimes, we're talking maybe a subcooler or a chiller where you, you might have a solenoid valve ahead of the expansion valve. We, we know with stepper valves that sometimes they can... Um, lose position, they're not calibrated, and, and sometimes the controllers have options to recalibrate them, but design-wise, people like a, a layer of safety sometimes with a solenoid ahead of it. Uh, so the EKEs are going to offer relays that can be used to control the solenoid valve in addition to the expansion valve itself. And then you can also use a relay for uh, alarming functions if you wanted um, if you wanted something hardwired, a light, a, a buzzer, whatever it might be, um, to trigger when there's an alarm that the controller generates. Diagrams, uh, I mean, the, the user guides, the things we offer online for these, uh, you, you'll see diagrams there that show you where to land the sensors. Uh, so you're going to have the, the normal transducer and temp sensor for the superheat part of the calculation. Um, if you're using it for a valve driver, where the 0 to 10 reference signal goes for that. And so, I, I mean, diagrams will help you and, and tell you exactly where everything needs to be wired. Right. I think you have some flexibility, but there's standards for where everything should get landed. Yep. Yep. Uh, as far as the pressure transducers, there's quite a bit of variety in uh, built into it as far as which transducer you can use with it. And then um, on the controller, it allows you to power those transducers with either 5 volts or 15 volts DC, which covers quite a range. 
And then um, as far as uh, kind of the start-stop function of the controller, um, there's uh, DI1 is usually the main switch input. And a lot of times that gets wired to a relay that says, okay, it's time to get going and, and start controlling. Uh, but if you're not going to use that for a start-stop, then you just have to jumper that out. Yeah, that's an important one. Guys have everything set up right, wired right, and the display just says it's not running. Right. I mean, you're saying, what the heck's going on here? It's just because that jumper's not in there. Yep. And there's also a software main switch in the controller, too, so you have to pay attention to that. Yep, just like most of our case controllers. Right. Uh, and so, I mean, tie this back into... Uh, a lot of our other podcasts where we're talking about system managers. Um, so uh, we've got plenty of, of applications, jobs, projects out there where the EKE is being used and good bit of our valve drivers, but there's also some superheat control. Um, either way, we, we when we look at tying these back into an 800 or an 800A, it's going to be through Modbus. So we're using the Modbus plug in the system manager. You've got the Modbus terminals on the EKE. Um, so you're wiring this up through a, a Modbus communication loop um, to get it to read on the system manager. Uh, you can set an address in it through the display, so through the MMI that you're using for your parameters. You can also use that to set the address of the unit. Each one obviously has to be unique. And you also have to make sure it doesn't share an address if you do have this mixed in with case controllers or leak detectors. Right. Uh, it's got to have a separate address from all of that. Uh, so just right. make sure, I mean, outside of that, we're using our normal um, cable. Uh, so it meets the uh, cable requirements we have for a Modbus loop, so EIA 485 rated cable. Um, and that should square you away from a wiring standpoint. Uh, I think I want to say on these also, a lot of times we have to look at the baud rate inside of it and adjust that. It comes 19,200 as a default, and most times... Um, to match the baud rate of other devices that are on there, you want to set it to 38,400. So that that's something too, especially with the system manager, if you're tying it in there. That um, We've gotten calls on that. So if you're listening and, and taking notes, that's one to keep in mind is you may have to change the baud rate of the EKE, which is going to be a parameter in the setup. Change that over from 19,200 to 38,4. Yep. Yep, got to keep all those baud rates the same. Yep, or otherwise it won't come online, and it's another one that's going to have you scratching your head saying, I did everything right, what's going on here? Yep, or it'll come online, and then you high-five your buddy, and then it goes offline. Yeah, right. Yep. All right, so that's a, a pretty good summary, I think, to get people started. Um, you'll see these used for subcoolers and sometimes heat exchanger control in supermarkets and then larger valve control and other applications like warehouses and blast freezers and stuff like that. All right, Chris, moving along, uh, it's time for Stump Chris. So I'm going to ask you a question. and um, I'm going to fail to answer it. We're <laughs> going to move on with our life. <laughs> I don't know. I'm feeling generous. You know, it is the holidays after all. So we'll see if you consider these softballs. Um, so I have not shared the question nor the answer with you, uh, obviously, because that would not be any fun, especially for me. But um, the question today is, um, uh, it involves this controller, and I believe this controller essentially has the valve filter built into it. Hmm. So you would not be adding a filter to this, um, to this unit to go between the controller and the valve to boost your 
you know, basically how long you can place your valve away from your controller. So what is the recommendation on um, how long you can make that wire run between the, the uh, valve you're controlling and this controller? And I'd like to answer in feet, if you don't mind. I can't go meters on that, because that's where my <laughs> head was. <laughs> if you really want to, you can, and I'll convert in my head then. Um, oof. I feel like I might be on the underside here. I'm going to say 30 feet. Um, if you said 30 meters or 30 to 50 meters, Is I'd, it that say, long? I'd say, wow, you're right on. Okay. I'm trying to, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, um, the main... Uh, Documentation I found is 30 to 50 meters. And I think that's because it incorporates the filter. Yeah. Was there something in the manual I got in the back of my head that even talks about what cable to use depending on what that length is? Uh, I think you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. That 84-page manual has a lot of info in there. Yeah. 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 So I'll take that as a acceptable answer. Yes. Now it's driving my, you. My dri units to measure wrong. Driving you crazy now. Let's, I can flip the table on you here. There's a. You can. I've got one for you. Okay, go ahead. There's an EKE 1P on the market. Oh, that's right. Do you know what that one serves purpose wise? Mm, I've heard about it, but I'm going to say no. So yeah. What is its purpose in life? <laughs> it's uh, basically like the other three options, except it only does valve driver control. Really? So, so no superheat options in it. Ah, so it's reduced price. Yep. Maybe that's what the P stands for. Oh, <laughs> P is for price. <laughs> it's a universal thing around the world. Yeah. But yeah, if somebody's looking for it, if they know they're going in and they're only going to use it for uh, valve driver control, then yeah, the one P is another option there for you. Okay. That's a added bonus to this uh, podcast. <laughs> We've got four out of 26 letters <laughs> of the alphabet covered or five. If we, yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, how about listener mail? So yeah, this one's for you. And it's, it's going to be a softball, I'm telling you. comes from uh, uh, a guy named Steve and I think it's pronounced Venetia, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. He said he wants to know what's wrong with the Ravens this year. <laughs> You said it was going to be an easy question. No, the <laughs> offensive coordinator, that is an easy question. <laughs> okay, problem solved. Yep. <laughs> Mix that with a couple injuries, and next thing you know, you're only getting three points a game. <laughs> <laughs> there was a social media thing this week where the, one of the defensive players had a, a short video clip or a picture of somebody had littered the street with um, a bunch of flyers that said, fire Greg Roman. <laughs> I think he caught a little hot water for recording it, but yeah. Uh. Most of us are on the same page there. Yeah. Uh, he'll probably get more hot water than you will for mentioning this yeah. on this worldwide podcast. Of course. All. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for your answer. It's very enlightening. <laughs> all right. So if you'd like to drop us an email with a suggestion for topics to cover, or a question uh, about anything we've talked about, or a comment, you can email us at ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. That's ControllerTalkNorthAmerica at DanFoss.com. Thanks for listening. Our studio and video engineer, the man who's doing it all today, is Michael, don't call me Mike Beckerman. And our audio engineer is Raul Garcia. Maria is off vacationing in sunny Romania, and the new guy, Josh, is somewhere out sick today. <laughs> but he's always going to be the new guy. Until next time, for Chris Brown, I'm Dave Yoder. Stay cool.